Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message in our current series called How to Pray. Let's take a listen. You know, as we look at the Lord's Prayer for the second week, um, Martin Luther referred to this prayer as a fearful prayer. And what we're gonna look at in the next two weeks specifically is why he identified it as a fearful prayer and what that meant for the disciples. And what you're gonna find out is the reason that he can use the word fear in that is because the disciples were potentially gonna be praying to relinquish their control. Now, if you're anything like me, I don't like to relinquish control. When we let go of things, when we're called to trust something that we can't see or, or something that we don't necessarily know how it's gonna turn out, it tends to, a lot of times, let us be overwhelmed. It can potentially let panic set in. Um, and so that's what we're gonna be looking at for the next two weeks is, is what we would look at as the, the fearful prayer, the, the hardest part of this Lord's Prayer. Now, I know I had the greatest intentions to be finished with the Lord's Prayer next Sunday. We've, for those who are, we've been fasting now. This is week number two. Um, and so we've decided to forego the fast. You can go out to eat all you want to after church. I'm just kidding. I did have somebody text me last night and said, did God change his mind? And this is a 14 day fast instead of 21. I said, no, you, you talk to the Lord all you want to. But I had all of the intentions of, of finishing this series next week, but Today we're gonna to be in week two of this Lord's Prayer and as far as we're gonna make it today is your kingdom come. We're not making any further than that. So I don't know how long we'll be here. Um, next week it'll be maybe one more sentence, I don't know, but we're just gonna go as the Lord leads us. But for the next two weeks, we're gonna see the very reason that the Lord's Prayer starts out the way that it does. If you were here last week, we talked about our Father who is in heaven. We talked about identifying that relationship with him. That's the first and foremost, first thing we do in prayer is identify who we're talking to and who it is that we're speaking to. And so when we talk to him as our earthly father, we even mentioned the fact that a lot of our earthly views of our father are jaded because of, of sin. And so when we talk about our father being in heaven, we're, talking that, we're realizing that we're talking to a father who is above this sin-sick world that crippled your father, that may have crippled my father, that may have crippled you as a father or crippled me as a father. So our father in heaven is set aside from any other father of this world. But then we went on to look at, hallowed be your name. And I challenged you this week to, that when we prayed that we call on the Father who is in heaven and then spend some time just acknowledging who he is. Remind yourself that he is your salvation, that he is your provider, that he is your restorer, that he is your redeemer, that he is your comfort, that he's love, that whatever he is to you, you're saying it not to remind him of who he is, but to remind you of who he is but also remind you of who you're not. 
And so when we, when we acknowledge that, we know that this postures our heart in a state of humility. And we know that in a, in a, in a spirit of humility, humility is what prepares us to surrender. And so over the next two weeks, what we're gonna look at is that idea of surrender. And so I want you to look at Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, and we're gonna read verses nine and part of 10. And we're gonna read verse 10 a little bit differently than you normally would. But in verse nine, he says this, Jesus says, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here's how we're gonna look at that today. Your kingdom come and your will be done are all in conjunction with that on earth as it is in heaven. And so the one line that we're gonna look at today is our prayer is going to be your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a part of this prayer that all of us are familiar with. If you've memorized the Lord's Prayer, you know your kingdom come. But the question is, is do we really fully understand what it is that we're praying for? Do we fully understand it, what it means to pray your kingdom come? Yes, we're all praying for the second coming. We're ready for Jesus to come back, to get us out of this mess. But it's much deeper than that. When they are praying for the kingdom to come, what they are doing is they are, they're praying and petitioning God that his kingdom comes not only way on down the road, but that his kingdom comes now. That his kingdom comes in our current state. That his kingdom comes in our current situations. And so when he prays your kingdom come, he's praying that his father's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we look at the idea of his kingdom coming, what we need to understand is first, what does this mean that kingdom comes? What does it mean that the kingdom can come to earth? You see, when we define kingdom, it is a sphere in which God is acknowledged as king. A sphere in which God is acknowledged as king. So the kingdom comes mean that we are inviting him to reign and to rule over all that we are now. Not just in the second coming of Christ, but now we are, we are begging and we are interceding, praying, petitioning that his kingdom would come to us. Not only then, but his kingdom would come right now in our current situation. And so we know what it means when it says that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. You see, Psalms 1911, it says that the heavens declare his glory. And so when we are petitioning to God, saying, God, we want your kingdom to come, we are praying that this earth will declare his glory. We're praying that our homes will declare his glory. We are praying that our life will declare his glory. And so when we look at him and then we want his glory to be declared, that's what we're asking when we say, your kingdom come. But when we ask him for his kingdom to come, through studying the scriptures, we find that that is a, a two-layered prayer, if you would. It's much deeper than just one line that it's speaking of because when he's teaching the disciples, this is how you pray. He's telling them to pray that his kingdom would come, but what he's wanting them to first and foremost understand as a disciple of Christ, that when we pray that the kingdom comes, 
It starts with you. It starts with the disciples. So the question is, has the kingdom come to you? Has the kingdom come and living in your heart? And what that means, remember, is that it is anywhere that the king is, is on the throne. Any sphere in which God is acknowledged as king. And so when we evaluate our lives, when we evaluate our hearts, we ask ourselves: has his kingdom come? Is he the Lord of my life? Is Jesus sitting on the throne of my heart? But you see, that's so, so important that we have to recognize that it has to start with us. It has to start with me. It has to start with you. So in order for his kingdom to come to fill the earth, it must first fill you. The kingdom must come to you. Because truthfully, we could ask for this kingdom to come. We want it that just like heaven, we want the heavens, we want the earth to declare all of his glory. And you understand that, that Jesus could rule over every area around us. He could rule over our best friend's life. He could rule over our spouse's wife. He could rule over our children's life. But if he's not the ruler and the Lord of your life, then he can't be the ruler of all the earth because he's not even the ruler of your heart. And so it's all about the surrender. It's all about recognizing what it is that we're praying about. Because we all want him to rule the earth. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of us in this room that we don't even want him to rule our hearts. So how can we ask him to rule all of the earth if we're not even asking him to be the ruler of our life, if we're not surrendering our lives to him? Matthew 6, just one column over in my Bible. Jesus says that. He says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It says that we're to seek his kingdom. That means that we're to seek the surrender. We're to seek him and surrender our hearts and lives to him and invite him to sit on the throne of our heart. That's what it means to seek the kingdom. But when, he seek, when we're seeking the kingdom and he resides in our hearts, we also see that we will seek righteousness. We will seek holiness because that's who he is. And when he's sitting on the throne of our hearts, we're seeking not only him, but we're seeking the very things of him. And so when we're seeking this, what we have to understand is that yes, we're seeking his rule, but we're also submitting to his authority. We're submitting to let him guide and lead every area of our life. I found this quote this week and I wish I'd have wrote it down who said it, but I didn't. So, but I want y'all to listen to this. And this quote has rocked me this week. It says, before we can pray his kingdom comes, we must be willing to pray that our kingdom goes. Before we can pray for his kingdom to come, we must be willing to pray that our kingdom goes. So have we done that? Have we said, God, I want to die to myself. God, I want to get off the throne of my heart. 
God, I want to dethrone myself from being the ruler of my life. And God, I invite you to take and reside on the throne of my heart. And in that, I want to give you supreme rule. I want to let you be my authority. I want you to be my direction. Because the truth is, is we can't sit on the throne of our own hearts and allow him to rule our life. Because the seat's occupied. The seat is taken. And God in his love, he's not gonna force himself upon the throne of your heart. He's not gonna beat his way in. He's not gonna dethrone you so that he can be throned. But you have to be willing to step off the throne of your heart and invite him to sit there. You see, Paul understood this. Paul understood that he could not be the ruler of his life. He knew that he had to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. He knew that he had to submit to that leadership that God was giving him and providing in him. In Philippians chapter one, Paul reads there, you don't have to, Paul says there, you don't have to turn there because I'm just gonna read one verse, but he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, what Paul is acknowledging there is he's meaning that, that we are to follow the example of Christ. We are to follow his example. And just like you heard a moment ago, we are to pursue his knowledge. We're to pursue his wisdom. We're to pursue his direction, not our own. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul challenged us. He says, hey, y'all follow me. Y'all follow me because I'm following him. I've dethroned myself. I've surrendered my throne to my Lord and Savior. So you follow me because I'm following him. And so when we look at that, we understand that Paul got it. Paul invited the Lord to take over his life. Kent Hughes said this, when we pray this, we are inviting God to conquer us. When we pray his kingdom come, we are inviting God to conquer us, to take us over, to reign supreme, to be the authority, to be the ruler of our hearts. But have we done that? Because we love talking about that I'm saved by the grace of God. But are we living like we're saved by the grace of God? You just heard it a moment ago that it's salvation. That resurrection power comes and resides in us. But are we living that way? How is it that we shout from the rooftops about this resurrection when we look on the outside, we look dead? And we're not even believing what's living in us. We don't believe that power is in us because we're not living like it. We're not living like this resurrection power is in us. But you see, when the God of the universe conquers our hearts, it transforms who we are from the inside out. The word of God transforms us. And not only are we transformed at salvation, but 
we're also now taking up our citizenship in the very kingdom that we're praying to come. We're taking our citizenship in this kingdom that we're praying to come. And citizenship is not just part of it. Your citizenship in Christ is your identity. You're no longer identified as a sinful, wretched human being, but you're identified as righteous, as holy before God because God doesn't see you. He sees the blood of his son applied to who you are. That is the spirit that we're talking about. But when we recognize, when we realize that we're now a citizen of heaven, this is what introduces us to the second layer of what we're praying when we're asking for his kingdom to come. Yes, we want his kingdom to come. But if you are saved by the grace of God, that kingdom coming cannot stop with you. And what, here's what I mean. The kingdom is living inside of you. The kingdom is empowering you. And so when the world looks at us, what they should see is the kingdom coming out of us. They should see who is seated on the throne of our hearts by our lifestyles, by our language, by the way that we love people. That's what identifies is who is the kingdom of your heart or who is the king of your heart is by the way that we're living in this world. And if we're truly a citizen of heaven, man, we should have a burning desire and passion in us that we wanna continue to see the kingdom grow. We can't be happy and content sitting in the four walls of this church because can I tell you, the kingdom is much bigger than what's going on at Chestnut Mountain Church. That is the very reason that we oftentimes celebrate what God is doing in every other church in our community. Because the reality is, it's not that if a crowd is at a church that we're losing. No, the kingdom's growing. So we need to be celebrating that. We need to die to ourselves. Let's don't worry about just only what God's doing here, but let's wonder what he's doing about all across the world. Because that's the kingdom coming. It's not about what's going on in here. This is just a minute part. This is just a minute part of the kingdom coming. We all want the kingdom to grow. But the question is, are we as believers willing to do what it's gonna take for the kingdom to grow? Yeah, we can clap. We can celebrate, but if you're saved by the grace of God, God has called you much higher than that. We can't just be cheerleaders to what God is doing, but we've gotta be the troops of what God is doing. We've gotta be working and doing what the kingdom, what the kingdom has called us to do. So as we pray that his kingdom comes, as we pray that we wanna see his kingdom grow, what we've also gotta pray is that we live a life of surrender so that that kingdom keeps growing, so that that kingdom keeps coming. So when we're praying, God, I pray that your kingdom comes, but God, use me so that your kingdom keeps on coming. 
You see, when we pray that God use me so that your kingdom keeps coming, that is a surrender. That is saying, God, I am dethroning myself off the throne of my heart. God, I'm giving you the driver's seat. God, I'm letting you rule. God, I'm letting you direct. God, I'm letting you take everything I am. You know, we just prayed it. We just sung about it a minute ago. Man, y'all are all in. Had your hands raised. Some were clapping. Some were bouncing. Some were doing whatever you do to worship. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Do we? We can sing it. It sounds good in lyrics. But can I tell you, that's tough to live out. That is tough to live out. And if I was the writer of the song, with my life I've laid down, I'm surrendered now, and I'll give you some of the things. But if we're still in the place where we're only giving him some of the things, you're still seated on the throne of your heart. You've not allowed him to conquer you. You've not allowed him to take resident in you and be the ruler. Now, I know that you may be sitting there going, Brian, I don't even know where to start. Maybe this is your first Sunday here. If it is, I apologize in advance. Next week will be a little softer, maybe. I don't know. Your will be done. (laughs) Yeah, you can imagine where we're going with that one. But you may wonder, Brian, I'm a new believer. So what's my role in this kingdom coming? I can't tell you that. I can't tell you what your role is in the kingdom coming. But I know the one who can. And it's the Holy Spirit of God. And it is his word, which is still alive and still well, still speaking and still transforming lives. And so when we give the invitation at the end this afternoon, I want you to, when you pray, just say, God, what is my role in the kingdom coming? God, what is my role in this kingdom continue growing? God, what does that look like for me? I don't know how he'll answer that, but I can tell you how he will not answer it. He will not answer it by saying, you know what? You don't have to do anything. He's not gonna say, ah, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But if you're honest before the Lord, if you humble your heart before him, he will speak and he will show you what that looks like. And so you think, well, where's a good place to start? Well, I can tell you right now, look no further. And what I'm about to do right now is not a, it's not a commercial, it's not a plug, but it's an invitation. You see, over the last two months, 
What God has been doing in this place is nothing short of a miracle. In this last probably two and a half month stretch, in the three and a half years that I've been here, I don't know that we have ever seen an influx of new families the way that we have since January. And it's almost, I think it's, I'm starting to figure this out. It's almost as if a prerequisite for you to visit here, like you have to have like 12 kids. (laughs) Because every time I get a first time guest card and I open that sucker up and I go to write a letter, there's husband, wife, there's, I'm like, man. So it's like, did they even let anybody in that doesn't have kids? I don't know. But you see, Do you realize the weight of who God is sending here? God is entrusting you as Chestnut Mountain Church family to help these moms and these dads raise these children up in the way that they should walk. God is sending them here because he's entrusting us. You know what? If we look at it from a fleshly standpoint, that probably scares us all to death. But when we're looking at it, realizing that the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work, we ain't got nothing to fear. And so you think, well, Brian, okay, we're growing. We're growing in every area of Wednesday night and Sunday morning ministry. I walked around here this past Wednesday night just with some stupid grin on my face. I walked over to the chapel and it was packed with teenagers. I came over here with the adult ministry and there was over 50 just sitting in here listening to the word of God being taught and watching hands. Just That's because BB was covering so much and talking so fast. But man, I'm just seeing just people just spun. They're just excited about the word of God. They're just hungry for the word of God. And then you go to the kids area and it's total chaos because there's kids everywhere. But here's what I want you to be thinking about and opening your eyes to. God is inviting you to be a part of this kingdom coming because the kingdom's coming. The kingdom is still coming. And so when we look at our preschool area, I know babies may scare you to death. Some of you are laughing, and if you're laughing, it's probably you're this one scared to death. But can I tell you how God's moving in our preschool? My little deacon is five. And I've watched such a transformation in her little heart over the last year that I'll forever be indebted to Miss Ingrid and what she's doing with these children. Because a year ago, we'd be riding through the school line and I would say, all right, it's time to pray. Deacon, you ready to pray? Nope. <laughs> she didn't want anything to do with it. But now, as soon as we turn on the main highway, Daddy, can we go ahead and pray? Daddy, can we go ahead and pray? And then just three nights ago, she climbs up on the arm of my chair And just out of nowhere, looks at me right in the eyes and she says, Daddy, did you know Jesus died on the cross so that I can go to heaven? So I'm getting to watch the word of God transform my baby's heart. 
And then I've got two twins who are in the children's area. And they come home every week talking about what they're learning. Right now, as an 11-year-old, they're learning how to defend their faith. I don't know if you've realized it, but as soon as they step into public school, guess what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to be certain about what they believe. They're being taught to have a missional mind, that it's not about being inside this building, that it's about being out there with the lost. And then I walk over to the students and I've got a 13 year old who's in the student ministry right now. And can I tell you that there are droves of teenagers every week that are showing up on this campus And you're gonna think I'm very unspiritual right now, but did you know probably the majority of them aren't here looking for God or aren't here looking for Jesus? You know what they're looking for? They're looking for consistency because a lot of them, the homes they're coming from, there's nothing consistent about it. So what they're walking, what they're looking for when they walk in there on a Wednesday night Is that small group leader gonna be here to hug my neck today? Is that small group leader gonna be here that that knows my name? And you know what? I know you may think, well, that's very unspiritual of you. Shouldn't we be preaching Jesus? Oh, we are. I just don't give a hoot as to what gets them here. Because when they get here, When you step foot on this campus, you're gonna hear the word of God proclaimed and this right here is the only thing that can transform lives. They're gonna hear the word of God. So I don't care what we have to do to get them here. All I wanna do is get them under the teaching of this word. That's it. You can be a part of the kingdom growing. You can be a part of the kingdom coming. The opportunity's there, church. Last week, we announced that there's kids that live in our community. Again, speaking of consistency, they have no way to get to church. So they're blowing our staff's phone up saying, hey, can we get a ride? And so we made an all call last week. Hey, if you're interested in going to get kids that don't have a way to get to church, if you're interested in that, please come see us. Man, I was excited. I was like, man, we ain't going to have to worry about this no more. We had three people say yes. Now, guess what? That provides enough. But can I just tell you, you're missing an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom coming. You're missing a chance to be a part of that kingdom growing Our engage ministry, you may not even know what that is, but the engage ministry is the ones that you see when you get on campus. Maybe you've seen people standing on the corner with a welcome to church sign or whatever it says, and half of them are broken because my 13 year old broke every one of them. Or maybe you've been greeted by the door. Maybe somebody's holding a door for you. Maybe somebody's checking you in on an iPad. Maybe somebody's bringing you to the door on a golf cart. You say, well, Brian, what in the world does that have to do with the kingdom coming? If you've ever visited a church for the first time, you all know that is one of the most stressful things you can do. 
And so if somebody walks in this room and they're stressed out, they're overwhelmed by a, a terrible experience they had in the parking lot, or maybe they wandered around campus not having a clue where they go, what happens is they come in there and they sit in this room and they just go, oh God, I can check out now. And they're so frustrated, they're so stressed that they're closing their heart and their mind off to the word of God. So what our role is, is it's an engaged ministry, is to create an environment where everyone is welcomed, where everyone is loved the second they step foot on campus. Because when they're introduced to love, guess what? They're gonna open their heart to love. And one prime example was last Sunday. Last Sunday, there was a young man who showed up and he's involved in the, the basketball league that takes place in the gym immediately following this service. And for whatever reason, he felt like he needed to be here early. And so he shows up at the very end of the nine o'clock service and he, he sits out there in a lobby on a, on a bench and he begins to watch the worship and hear the word. And then Miss June, if you know Miss June, she's kind of the, our mascot around here. Miss June took note of this young man sitting alone and she went to some of our volunteers, to some of our staff and said, hey, there's a young man over there by himself. And so for the next few minutes, he went in and people gathered around him and just listened to him. Just heard his heart. And then after the service was over, this young man comes right over there in the middle of that section and surrenders his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Was saved by the grace of God. And guess what? He didn't show up last Sunday to go to church. He showed up because of basketball. But because somebody engaged him, because somebody shared with him, because somebody loved him, it opened his heart to the gospel. And the gospel transformed him in a moment. The kingdom came and the kingdom is still coming. So church, we've, we've gotta get past this mentality that we come here every Sunday just thanking God that the kingdom has come. we got to humble ourselves and say, God, what is my role in the, in the continuation of this kingdom coming? But you see, our American culture, society is teaching us to just be consumers. So kind of the mentality of, of church now is let's go to church to see what the church can do for me. When I walk on campus on Sunday morning, what does Chestnut Mountain Church have to give me today? Now, don't get me wrong, there's an element of time for that, especially for a first-time guest. You're trying to find out if this is home, if this is where God has called you. But if God has called you to be here, if God has called you to be this to be your home, remember what we've said over and over and over again. If God's called you here, you're part of the detail. You're part of this kingdom coming. You are part of this kingdom growing. And when I say kingdom, I'm not talking about our church name. But you see, every time a person surrenders the heart of his life to Christ, it doesn't matter if it's here, doesn't matter if it's down the road, but every time it happens, the kingdom comes. The kingdom keeps growing. But our heart is, is we wanna see this kingdom spread 
here. We want to see this kingdom spread in our community. We want to see this kingdom spread in our country. We want to see the kingdom spread all across the world. But it all starts with you. It all starts with me. And so we have to check ourselves this morning is where is our allegiance? Where's our allegiance? Is our allegiance to this world? Is our allegiance to ourselves? Or is our allegiance to the redeemer, to the healer, to the provider, to the sustainer, to salvation? You see, we're going back to hallowed be thy name. Because when we remind ourselves of who he is, remember it humbles our hearts and it puts us in a place of humility, but with humility comes surrender. And when we're surrendered, then he lets us know what our role is in this kingdom coming. So where is our allegiance? Is it to him or is it to us? But then on the other hand, you have to ask yourself if your allegiance is to something other than him, what's diluting that? What's watering that down? Is it you want your time? Is it you want your space? Is it you don't wanna be uncomfortable? You don't want to be stretched. You know what I love to hear is when God calls people and their response is, I can't do this. Then what you realize is, man, your heart is right where it needs to be. It's right where it needs to be. I remember the day I got a phone call to be a middle school student pastor, I could tell you where I was standing in the weight room. Craig Worley gives me a call. I didn't really know him that well at the time. And he says, we're getting ready to hire a middle school student pastor. Are you interested? I really don't even know what my response was, but I know what it was when I hung the phone up. I sat down at my desk and I cried like a baby. God, I said, God, I can't do this. God, I have no idea what this is about. And it's like I felt the loving arms of my father say, you're right where you need to be. Because just because you can't do it, you're going to get to watch me move. And so when you hear preschool, when you hear children, when you hear youth, I know some of your first responses are, I can't do that. I don't even like kids. Watch God do a miracle. But can I tell you that walking in the direction that God has called you, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. And when we're walking in the direction that God calls us, his kingdom will keep coming.
when we're obedient servants of God. Paul understood this. And we're getting ready to land right here. Paul understood what it meant to have everything the world had to offer. The fame, the fortune, he had it all. But look at what his response was to all of it. Philippians chapter three, verses seven through nine. And I just read this a few weeks ago, I believe it was. Paul says this, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them to be rubbish so that I may gain Christ and I may be found in him. Paul's saying, I had it all, but nothing compares to knowing Christ. I had all the worldly fame, I had all the worldly pleasures, but nothing compares to knowing Christ and to walking with him and walking in that calling that he has given me. Nothing is more fulfilling than that. And so what we watch is we watch Paul be transformed through following Christ. We watched and we read from Saul to Paul's conversion and we watched that surrender and we watched the Lord turn the world upside down with a man named Paul. But you see, I believe that Paul began to see things the way Jesus saw things. Matthew chapter nine, here's how Jesus saw things. Says Jesus was going through all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, seeing the people, seeing the children, seeing the students, seeing the adults, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. When's the last time that we even prayed, God, give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Miss June Crisp had those eyes last Sunday. She saw the people. She saw a young man she had compassion on him. And then guess what? God did the rest. So I challenge you, even when you walk on this campus, when we dismiss in just a moment, here's a news flash. You do know that every person that steps on this campus is not a believer. 
you do know that every person that stamps on this campus is not a follower of Christ. And so what I challenge you to do is have that mindset when we walk around this building. Have this mindset when we see people going to the basketball league here in just a moment. Are we loving them? Are we speaking to them? Or can we look at them and tell, oh, they weren't at church today. I know they're not supposed to be here. So you know what? I ain't gonna look at them. Are we seeing them with the eyes of Jesus? Or are we avoiding people that may not look like us, that may not talk like us, that may not be wearing church clothes? But it said that he had compassion on them because they were distressed and dispirited like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech or ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I challenge the staff this week to be praying that. Be praying for the laborers. Because as we grow, as God continues to send, we're not gonna be able to maintain. But I love it. Because what it does is it opens the door for opportunity for you to be part of the kingdom coming. And yes, it may be scary. Yes, it may stretch you. But just take that step. Take that step and say, God, I don't know what this looks like. But God, all I know is you didn't save me just so I could sit. God, you saved me so I could serve. God, you saved me so that I could continue to be a part of this kingdom coming. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.